welcome to this Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles and I'm delighted to be joined by Peter Franklin. Hi Charlie. Hi Peter. So today we are going to talk about uh, actually one of our sort of favourite topics which is the millennials and what's wrong with the millennials. Uh, And I can say that because I am a millennial which we can come on to later. And the particular piece uh, that Peter you wrote that we're going to talk about is called What's Bugging the Millennials? And it's I suppose it's kind of really asking why are the millennials so sad? Why do they seem to be so glum um, compared to previous generations? So, Peter, what was the piece that you originally were looking at? Well, it was by someone called Juliana Piscors, who I believe is a millennial writer of that generation. A younger, a young, on the younger end of the millennial writers, I think. I think so. Yeah, the young, because it's it's roughly a 15-year window that you can call yourself a millennial, sort of born from about 1980 to 95, something like that. Um, I think she's at the younger end of that. And it's a piece in The Guardian. And it was all about having a quarter-life crisis. Which is a new one on me because, you know, well, I'm at the age where I'm expecting to have my half-life crisis, but it's yet to materialise, I'm glad to say. Well, and, and, and maybe for reasons we will come on to. Um, but I have to say when I uh, read the, the idea of a quarter-life crisis and also the description, uh, which I'll read out in a second, uh, of, of kind of what we mean by a, a quarter-life crisis... I actually recognised it. And as a millennial, um, I really did feel I had a third of life crisis. Um, And so when I turned 30, I did have that kind of sense of, I mean, it's described in here, so there's a quote you've got, Peter, in the piece, um, clinical psychologist, a quote of, sorry, the uh, Guardian article, clinical psychologist Alex Folk uh, defines it as a period of insecurity, doubt and disappointment surrounding your career, relationships and financial situation in your 20s. Now, obviously, for me, it was turning 30 and it was more focused around kind of career questions but I really did feel that sense of you know am I achieving enough kind of am I where I should be at Mm, this at this age so so I kind of sympathize with it um but Peter you sort of I suppose you know let's focus on why this generation is having what as you just said kind of a very early uh quotes life crisis compared to when we would normally think of people sort of you know buying the sports car or getting the motorbike at sort of you know <laughs> kind of end of their 40s or 50 and and there are a couple of reasons you think might be the case well i mean to be abs- you, you know you you could easily sort of you know poke jokes at snowflakes and all of that sort of rather mean-minded stuff that you get from older generations But, you know, there are a number of reasons why um, young people now have genuine cause not to be happy with their lot. If you look at how they've been disadvantaged by um, the housing market, for instance, um, also by being loaded up with student debt that older generations uh, weren't to the same extent, whilst at the same time being told you must absolutely have all of these degrees for... All sorts of um, occupations that previously didn't have to have them. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it, it isn't fair. And a labour market right. that, of course, is 
is tougher anyway you know we have a very high proportion of low skilled uh, kind of low paid jobs a more precarious work environment you know kind of pensions are much lower and that's thing you think yes. about the future but the kind of the whole working environment has shifted from um, the previous generation X and what they would have experienced where sort of you know there's a much more steady career kind of plan that you would expect to get on the ladder and sort of chug your way along well I, I think that's a little bit more up and down really because you got to remember, maybe we'll come on to this, is that, say, Gen Xer growing up in the, the 80s, you had mass unemployment then that you don't have now. Not in this country anyway, if you're yep. in somewhere like Southern Europe, different, different <laughs> kettle of fish. But um, I think there is more of a kind of either-or situation, that you're either on a sort of knowledge worker career track or you're in a dead-end job. And the the sort of intermediate occupations, you know, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that those have been hollowed out. And so there is a, a, a lot of pressure to make sure that you're on the right track. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of stuck. And you also, Peter, as the second reason, so, you know, first reason maybe that millennials are so sad is that, you know, life is tougher. Um, but the second is that, they perhaps have a absence of hope given the current sort of political and economic environment. Well, yes, I mean things like you know Brexit, Trump, um, upsurge in populism, all of these tribalisation, sort of all that kind of stuff. I've got less um, sympathy for that um, because certainly I can remember growing up in the 1980s when there was things going on like the, well, like the Cold War. You know, we came actually alarmingly close to nuclear annihilation on several occasions. Not actually, this isn't, that also applies to the baby boomers. Obviously, you had the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, you know, <laughs> that's quite a lot to be thinking about. Then in the 80s, you had, as I mentioned, mass unemployment. Um, you also had the, for instance, the, the AIDS epidemic, which at the time, there was no sort of um, uh, um, sort of drug treatment for it, um, no sign of it slowing down. And, you know, a lot of people were really deeply worried. And so there were all sorts of quite, quite scary stuff going on that did cast a shadow and yet I think there was, you know, a more positive attitude amongst that generation, a more hopeful one, um, a, a sort of greater sense that the future would be better than the present. And if you look at polling today, there certainly isn't the sense that for the next generation things will be improved. So, no. so there clearly is an absence of hope and perhaps it's the two things combined, the kind of the tougher... Um, environment in terms of you know education and employment and housing etc combined with a sort of hopeless sense of you know none of these governments are going to sort these problems out anytime soon but Peter in your piece you suggest there might be a third and perhaps slightly more compelling reason why millennials are sadder than previous generations well um Again, uh, Piscors is, is uh, quoting another psychiatrist who um is looking at the fact that religion plays a smaller or perhaps a completely absent role in more lives than it 
than it used to. Now, it's not as if Gen X was, or the baby boomers were, especially religious, religious yeah. either. You know, it's been many generations since we, you could gen, gen, genuinely say that we lived in a religious society in which um, um, deep belief was taken for, for granted. However, I think you can say that there's a, uh, such a thing as cultural Christianity, which is that even if you don't pers have personal faith, a strong and certain personal faith, you accept certain cultural assumptions that were informed by that religious past. And this is quite the sort of Jordan Peterson argument, isn't it? That, you know, he, people would say he is actually very religious, but you know, it's, it's, it is a cultural Christianity sort of values system yes. that he's putting forward. And part of that is the sense that we do live in a meaningful universe and that meaning is doesn't depend on your state of mind. It's out there and you can choose to be part of it or not. And it gives your life meaning. And you're also part of a cohesive society that, that shares the same set of values. And that, you know, everyone is part of something much bigger than themselves. Therefore how you might feel about yourself doesn't loom quite so large because it's not the whole universe. You've put that uh, very eloquently, as Peter, I would always expect you to. I might say, it's just not all about you. It's also another way of kind of looking at it, you know, exactly. that kind of yes. there's a sort of sense of um, with this generation. And I gain, I caveat with the fact that I am a millennial, uh, but that my generation... Um, does have a kind of you know at one point I think we we called young people sort of you know unicorns this idea that sort of you know the world did revolve around them and you know their position and their kind of uh, their sense of which we'll move on to kind of happiness was the sort of most important thing yes. and and you know that kind of reminding people that actually perhaps there are bigger things perhaps there are more important things in this world than just your position in it um, yeah. and if people had that sense then less would ride on whether they got a good job or earned a big salary mm. or things like that. Yeah. So, but it, it is interesting, this question of happiness and, and you end the piece talking about this and how um, sort of, I mean, you, the way you put it, Peter, is happiness is held up as the highest good. And you're sort of saying, actually, maybe happiness just isn't that important. Yeah, and this, I mean, that is one of the most heretical things you can say Controversial, today. Controversial, come I mean, to unheard for controversy. Yes, without saying anything sort of downright offensive, you know, sort of something sort of racist or bigoted or something that just sort of insulting. To say that happiness is not important is just about the most controversial thing you can say. And you say it and... I only half think that it is sort of important. Um, but you say it just to sort of provoke someone, and it really works. <laughs> and of course, happiness is important. And, and you think, well, actually, no, you don't have to be happy all the time. If you think that you are doing the right thing, if you think that you are being part of something bigger than you, then and that thing that's bigger than you is meaningful and and right, then whatever your inner feelings are at the time, you can kind of put that in some sort of perspective. And also, you, you don't feel under pressure to be happy. 
And there's quite a lot of evidence to show that people that do feel that happiness is everything, it's really counterproductive. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting as well, and, and I guess particularly, and you've written a um, separate article, Peter, uh, which looks more closely at the millennials and, and younger generations kind of relationship with social media, but, you know, the rise of, I suppose, Instagram in particular, but, you know, to a lesser extent, the kind of facebook and and twitter and snapchat and what have you is this idea that you have to present your perfect life and yes. that you know in every image you must look so happy in it because yeah. you know you're doing so well and so successful and that kind of you know it's it's not just that that it's a generation brought up thinking that happiness should be the most important mm. thing but actually then we have this whole tech infrastructure that is is sort of judging people and comparing people based on how happy and successful they look yeah not only do you need to feel happy you have to perform your happiness and you know that sort of pressure is is a pretty good way of making yourself feel miserable and and inadequate Yeah. Yes. And and it's fascinating because from from a policy perspective of course we've had in the last what I suppose decade uh, a kind of swing towards um thinking about well-being as you know a, an important indicator that sort of nations should measure you know and and part of that and one of the questions that can be asked is how happy a nation is and and indeed mm. you know our own office for national statistics one of the questions they ask in terms of measuring the country's well-being is how happy are you? Well, actually, yes. how happy were you yesterday? Yes. Um, but but taking a step back from that, and, and perhaps perhaps a better framework for millennials to look through is that most people who study uh, well-being or are kind of involved in you know kind of uh, well-being analysis would say that it's life satisfaction, which is the much more important measure because a it's over a long period of time, and b it doesn't carry that weight of the question about happiness. So perhaps if millennials looked at life satisfaction with a broader set of indicators beneath it, yeah. then actually they might end up being happier in the end. Yes, uh, yes, there is there's a huge paradox here. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Peter. Um, Please do go and read The Unpacked that we have been discussing and also that other piece uh, on millennials that you can find on the website unheard.com. Thank you so much for listening, as always. If you have enjoyed, um, please do make sure you're subscribed and also rate the podcast so other people can find it and tune in next time. (laughs) 